We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome in, everybody, to Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com. Joining me shortly will be Chris Biederman from the Sacramento Bee. He covers the 49ers, at least for now, uh, the 49ers beat writer for the Bee. We've got a quick announcement that we've been teasing for three months. That's right. We're going to pay off a three-month-long tease, and then we're going to have a really fun chat with PFF NFL analyst, and host of the PFF NFL podcast, Sam Monson. We'll talk to him about why Trey Lance should start right away, whether the 49ers made a mistake not trading for Julio Jones. And then Sam is very, very high on Kyle Shanahan, and we discuss his ranking among NFL head coaches and play callers. But first, our big announcement. Blue wire. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. All right, Chris. I'm so excited. We've been talking about this both on and off the pod for months. And what started as a small seed of an idea has since grown. And this is not real quick. Pause. This is not air conditioner or heat related. It is not. (laughs) We're not doing a a huge bit about Chris having AC or something. Uh, So, Chris, I will hand this to you to let you uh, make the big announcement. Uh, so Candlestick Chronicles, this, this podcast, the Candlestick Chronicles podcast is partnering with Cooperage Brewing Company uh, in Santa Rosa, one of my favorite places in the world, uh, to make a Candlestick Chronicles hazy IPA. And not only is it going to be a great beer, but uh, a portion of the proceeds are going to go to the Redwood Empire Food Bank. And we are going to have a live event at Cooperage Friday, August 13th with some very special guests who have agreed to show up. And we're going to do a live Q&A panel at the brewery. And so everybody should come hang out, drink Candlestick Chronicles beer for a good cause and uh, and enjoy the panel. And I'm like super excited about it. Cooperage. 
Cooperage isn't the biggest name uh, name brand when it comes to uh, microbreweries in Santa Rosa because, of course, you have Russian River and Hen House and uh, all fine in their own rights. All fine in their own rights. All fine in their own rights. But the point I want to make is there are a lot of people at Russian River who, when they get off work, they go to drink the beer at Cooperage. And so if you can get Cooperage beer, it's you can sometimes find it in stores, sometimes find it in restaurants. It's a little bit exclusive. But if you've had it, you know their beer is excellent. And if you've yeah. been there, you know it's a cool scene. Um, so, yeah, I'm super pumped. We're going to drink some beer. We're going to talk some 49ers football. And uh, and we're going to we're going to do it for charity. Look, in, in 2017, um, the house I grew up in in Santa Rosa went in the fire. We went up there and uh, ended up raising a bunch of money through GoFundMe and, and worked directly with the Redwood Empire Food Bank. Um, and they're great. And so it's you know, it's a cause that's that's important for me. Um, and I'm just thrilled to be able to support it in my hometown and turn it into a, a really fun night the night before the first preseason game against the chiefs. And like I said, um, we will have some, some very notable 49ers guests, 49ers media guests. Um, you could probably imagine uh, the, the names that, that have committed. Um, but we're going to announce that a, a little bit later on, but um, yeah, the, the artwork for the can is incredible. It's so um, good. It's going to be a Citra Hazy IPA, probably around 7% alcohol. So we're, we're not messing around with this one. And, and Tyler, not okay. Tyler at Cooperage is one of the best brewers around. And that's saying something given, given the beer scene in Santa Rosa right now. So shout out to Ch- uh, Tyler. Shout out to Charlie, uh, my good buddy who over at Cooperage. And uh, man, I'm so excited. This, the beer is going to be great. The event's going to be a lot of fun. And it's all going to be for a good cause. So um, August 13th, mark it in your calendars, head up to Santa Rosa, or if you're in Santa Rosa, come hang out with us and, uh, meet us in person. And, uh, and yeah, we'll, uh, we'll do it for a good cause. I'm, I'm so pumped. I really, really can't wait. I'm super excited that we got the wheels in motion for this and that everything came together, not only, uh, just in general, but came together in like the perfect time frame yeah. for the start of football season. So we'll have our event. And then make sure you're uh, you're getting your Candlestick Chronicles beer to have uh, throughout the season as well. And by the time you're listening to this, we're recording this on Tuesday. The beer is getting brewed on Wednesday and will be available in about three to four weeks. We don't have an exact date um, on when the beer is dropping, but we're expecting to be for it to be out potentially for around a week uh, before the event. Um, but yeah, it's it's going to be awesome, and um, and I'm really happy to do it. It's going to be it's going to be super fun. Can't wait for that. Can't wait to drop the names of our guests and can't wait to see everybody out at Cooperage on August 13th. And for while, the while we're making this announcement, I just got oh, another there's more from one of our media buddies. So uh, I think we're up to let's see, there might be six or seven of us on stage taking questions My... and, and shoot shooting the shit with uh with 49ers fans and and beer fans in general so i think it could be it could be a lot of fun for everybody my goal is to get enough 49ers media people there that i can just sit in the back and heckle <laughs> <laughs> that's my that's my ultimate now, goal and all we this. need you to MC. you can you yeah. can heckle with a microphone how about that that thousand percent i'm it's gonna start as one of those like oh thanks for coming out we got our distinguished panel of guests blah 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 and it's just gonna turn into a roast session by the end of it that's for sure perfect. that's perfect everyone would love that yeah 
so all right we'll uh we'll have more information as it becomes available we'll we'll be posting flyers hopefully on on social media and all that um and we'll mention it every every week on the pod it's gonna be oh, free or yeah. it's not gonna be tickets um <laughs> we're not gonna record it uh because I think that'll make it a little bit more fun. No one will really have to worry about, you know, what they're, yeah. what they're saying, like necessarily on record and, you know, people will be drinking beer. So it could get a little wild. There could be something said that uh, you might not expect to be said on other platforms. So I'm really looking forward to it, obviously. And uh, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. So everybody should show up Cooperage uh, Friday, August 13th up in Santa Rosa. Um, it's going to be a great time. Stay tuned for more info. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You want to talk to Sam? Let's talk to Sam. It was a good convo. Sam's a uh, one of the one of the smartest people I, I think in the in the business when it comes to you know the analytical approach. Being you know, he's he does analyst. a great job of tying. Obviously. He does a great job to me of I should have told this to him. He does a great job to me of tying the like hard numbers and analytics with the kind of feel mm-hmm. and like the quote unquote eye test. Uh, and I think you hear that a lot with with when we talk to him about Kyle Shanahan. Yeah, a lot of interesting stuff about Trey Lance. Um, yeah. And, you know, Kyle Shanahan, where he sits, where the 49ers sit relative to the rest of the NFC. So good conversation. Check it out yeah. uh, and be on the lookout for Candle- Candlestick Chronicles Hazy IPA. That's like the coolest Woo! thing ever. I can't believe this, this is happening. I'm so fired up. Super um, dope. Yeah, let's get to Sam. Let's go. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, Sam Monson's here. He's an NFL analyst at Pro Football Focus. You can hear him on the PFF NFL podcast. Sam, thanks for uh, thanks for hanging out with us on a Tuesday in early July. Not really football season, but you're always down to talk football, and we appreciate it. Sure, anytime. Thanks for having me. So, Sam, uh, well, doing a little bit of background before coming on here, I wanted to talk to you about you know what you wrote about Trey Lance and um, just the idea that you know you you wrote if if he's starting week one. Um, you think he would be a, a front runner, perhaps for for offensive rookie of the year? Um, could, could you just explain what what uh, why you came to that conclusion, and uh, and just sort of evaluate the 49ers move and and what the next few months could be like for them? Yeah, well, a big part of it is I think that would be true for any of the rookie quarterbacks in a Kyle Shanahan offense. Um, I just think that offense, Kyle Shanahan, generally is 
you know, kind of a cheat code for quarterback play. I mean, he, if you look at Nick Mullins stats, I forget the fact that he hasn't actually been able to win many games or even look particularly good doing it. Just his statistics are insane. Like he's got the same average uh, yards per attempt figure as like Aaron Rodgers has. Um, And Kyle Shanahan is just able to scheme up decent, free, easy targets to even quarterbacks that don't really have any business at this level. Um, So think what he can do to a guy that does belong at this level, you know, and we've seen it already with Jimmy Garoppolo looking good when he's healthy. I think any of those rookies, if they land in Kyle Shanahan's offense and, you know, in particular, the guys that can bring a rushing threat as well. Um, I think Mac Jones would have been a more interesting case, but Trey Lance, Justin Fields, the stuff that those guys are able to do with their legs as well. I think that just gives Kyle Shanahan so much to work with and everything else on this team is in good shape. You know, the receivers are a good group. We just didn't get to see them all together at the same time last year because everybody got hurt. The offensive line is in decent shape. Um, And of course, Kyle Shanahan being the ultimate kind of boost of everything there. So I think Lance has as good a shot at winning rookie of the year, i.e. being the better performing quarterback of all the rookies uh, of anybody. Do you think that was the right pick at that spot? Um, I'm, I'm kind of torn because I've been preaching all the way through the off season, the draft process that for a lot of teams, it's not like there are just five interchangeable quarterbacks and you just get one and it doesn't really matter which one you get. Each team is going to be different. Some teams are going to think it's, it's a too deep quarterback class this year, you know, and the three guys after uh, Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson, they're not of the same caliber and they're not worth mortgaging the franchise for and whatever. And you can, you can clearly see, you know, obviously Mac Jones slipped a little bit compared with where some of the hype was before that draft, when people were saying he was going to go with three, um, Justin Fields started to slip. And obviously some teams weren't as enamored by him as other people, but I actually do like all five of those first round quarterbacks. I, I can see a way that all five of them become very good players at the next level. I like what Lance brings. And I think if you're the 49ers, he might, bring the the kind of the cleanest compromise of skills that they had available you know he he isn't the um sort of mental processing savant that mac jones was neither is he the accurate quarterback that justin fields is but he kind of brings the the happiest medium of you know that processing speed the athleticism the rushing threat he's probably the best compromise that they could have taken once those first two guys are off the board So Kyle Shanahan has mentioned Lance's running ability specifically and just being able to play 11 on 11 football and and how that could bring a different dynamic than, than what he gets with Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, I'm curious, you know, a lot, we, we talk about what Shanahan did with Robert Griffin in in 2012. Um, Just in your opinion, what do you think the offense is going to look like? How do you think Kyle Shanahan is going to deploy him? And, And is 2012 sort of the, the, um, the archetype, I guess, for for maybe what that offense could look like with Trey Lance. No, I mean, I think it should look better than 2012. It, 2012, you know, obviously we're talking about a decade ago at this point. Um, and Kyle Shannon was doing that kind of stuff a decade ago. The league has moved on since then. Shanahan's offense has moved on since then. And he's had 10 years to basically sit back and look and think about what this would look like if he had that kind of athlete again. And over those years, 
his offense has only gotten more conducive in terms of making everything knit together in a way that run game is built off pass game is built off run game. And the whole thing is combined in a way that makes uh, the quarterback's rushing threat even more devastating than it was when you had RG three, you know, the, the way the league has gone in terms of RPOs and all that kind of stuff, it's made it even more difficult to defend that kind of thing and made it even easier for an offensive mind to weave it all together. So I just think we should be incredibly excited by what version, you know, 2.0 of this offense looks like it's going to be based off that kind of stuff. You know, we're going to recognize things we saw from that offense with RG three, but it's going to be a whole new evolution of what that can look like. Do you think that ceiling with Lance outweighs any experience advantage that Jimmy Garoppolo has? Um, should well, Trey I think Lance at this start point, is my question. I think he probably should because I don't see a reason not to. Um, I Look, Lance got talked about as this guy that would need to sit for his rookie season or to learn all these kinds of things. And I haven't yet heard a good reason why. Um, usually you say that about a a quarterback, if you can clearly see deficiencies in his game from a mental point of view, from processing, from going through his reads, from understanding what he's looking at, from putting the ball where it's supposed to go, you don't see those with Trey Lance. Now, okay, we're dealing with a really small sample size of throws, and maybe that in and of itself is going to make you say, you know, he should sit because we just don't know. Um, But in his tape, there isn't this incredible sequence of plays where you're like, okay, these are terrible mistakes. These indicate a lack of knowledge that means he has to sit and learn the game schematically before we can put him out there and and kind of risk that experience live when the, the bullets are flying. I don't, I don't see any of that stuff from Lance's game. So unless you can come up with a compelling reason why playing him would harm his development, I think he allows you to do more than Jimmy Garoppolo. I think he has a better arm than Jimmy Garoppolo and okay. He might read the game slightly less well than Jimmy Garoppolo and obviously doesn't have the experience, but I think overall you're probably netting out very close. And if plus you, you probably don't have the injury risk that Jimmy Garoppolo has. So um, I, you know, he, we know he's the future. So unless there's a reason to sit him down, I say, throw him in right away. So you guys at PFF, probably better than anybody, do a really good job with the analytical approach and, and using numbers to, to try to make projections and figure things out that way. I'm curious how you guys or you yourself personally, I guess, view the 49ers in 2021, depending on who's starting at quarterback, right? Like, do you do you view them as a possible contender if Trey Lance is starting week one or, you know, half the season or, or whatever it may be? Or do you think what would you think about the 49ers maybe a tier below uh, just because there's so much uncertainty with the with the rookie quarterback versus Jimmy Garoppolo, who did help them get the number one seed a couple of years ago and to the Super Bowl? I think they're probably contenders either way, but it's just it's harder when you're dealing with a rookie quarterback because it very, very rarely happens. But I think we the 49ers are not a number three overall pick kind of team um, and they're they're actually really far divorced from that when you think about it, because not only did they jump from 12, but they weren't really a number 12 overall pick kind of team either. Like they didn't play with their quarterback most of last year. They didn't play with any of their skill position players for most of the year either. We are talking about a 
team that is way, way, way better than the draft position and yet had a shot at one of the top quarterbacks in the NFL. So you can probably like rewind all the way back to like a Ben Roethlisberger, Pittsburgh Steelers kind of move for some kind of precedent of a team being capable of contending immediately with a rookie quarterback. And the Steelers, I think, are a decent comparison as well because they showed that you know, they didn't lean on Ben Roethlisberger those first couple of years. All he was supposed to do was to steer the ship and not screw it up and come up clutch for a couple of plays a game. Um, and he was able to do that, and the Steelers were really good. I, I think the 49ers can do a similar thing with Lance. And in addition to, you know, the, the talent around him being the thing that prompts everything up, they've also got arguably the best offensive mind in the game helping him along as well. So, yeah, I think just from when you, you, you speak it out loud, you're like leaning on a rookie quarterback to take you to a Super Bowl is a tough sell. On the other hand, you almost never get a good enough rookie quarterback drafted by a team that's as good as the 49ers are right now. So the, like the opportunities that's had to ever pan its way out through a season is a lot, is really small. Um, and I think the 49, this team has a shot at it. You mentioned you mentioned Lance as kind of like a Roethlisberger type game manager, at least early on. And I could certainly see Shanahan, you know, leaning on his running ability and on the on his run game, just in general, Shanahan's run game, that is. Do you think that it's a roundabout way of asking, uh, should the 49ers have traded for Julio Jones, knowing that um if Lance is starting in year one, uh, they may not be a super pass heavy offense. Yeah. I mean, Julio Jones would make um, every offense in the NFL better. Like healthy Julio Jones is still probably the best wide receiver in the NFL. And therefore there isn't a team in football that couldn't have used him and would have been better overall because of it. You know, even teams that have elite, top-end receivers, that guy can bump one down the depth chart, or you can have two of them like the Titans now have, and it becomes exponentially harder to shut them down. So, yeah, look, the 49ers definitely could have used Julio Jones, and we've seen before what that offense looks like when you give Kyle Shanahan a Julio Jones. You know, he doesn't, he hasn't typically gone after those players before, but when he, when he had one, it was spectacular. So, yeah, I think they could have used him, but equally, I didn't I don't think they needed him. Um, You know, people have said for years that the 49ers sort of need this number one wide receiver. And I think the answer to that has always been, well, they have one. It's just George Kittle. Like it's it's playing tight end for you. Um, But I, I think they look at that roster and they say you you combine George Kittle, Kyle Juszczyk, um, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk together with a quarterback that's now a rushing threat and, and brings uh, a unique weapon to the table, the defense have to worry about. That's a hell of a diff- difficult group to try and stop even without Julio Jones. And now you don't have to worry about his injury history and his salary cap number and feeding him the ball because you traded for him. So I, I can see the case either way. Yeah. I think it would have been spectacular to see, Julio on the 49ers roster, but equally, I don't hate that they didn't go after him. So one, one thing 
I think that's going to be interesting about the 49ers if they're contending in 21 is they're probably going to have to do it in a bit of a different way than they did in 2019. I, I don't think, you know, without DeForest Buckner, without Richard Sherman still playing at a high level, um, I just don't think the defense is, is – I'm not expecting the defense to be a top-five unit, um, but it might be. I mean, you know, you, you could get potentially a defensive player of the year type season from, from Nick Bosa. You still have Fred Warner – um, you have some pretty good safeties. Uh, I'm just curious how you guys at PFF evaluate the 49ers defense going into the season and whether or not you expect it to be dominant like it was in 2020, or is it probably going to hover like in that top 10, top 12 range, meaning the offense is going to have to maybe, maybe pick up a little bit more of the slack um, if they are going to get back to a Super Bowl. Yeah, I think there's some concerns on it now that weren't there before. Um, there's right. a few question marks and a few pieces that you need to kind of rely on taking a step forward. I mean, you've gone from the incredible season that Richard Sherman had. I really like bringing Jason Verrett back, but Jason Verrett is always, you know, a question mark. The last season was the first sort of healthy year he had for years, like going back a long time, half a decade at this point. So I, I love the idea of sort of keep rolling the dice and hoping you can get that season out of Jason Verrett. But to the difference between hoping you can get it and needing to get it, I think is significant. And now with Richard Sherman gone, albeit, you know, still available. Um, I, I think they need that kind of season out of Jason Verrett up front. I, you know, I, I like the business they did in terms of trading, DeForest Buckner, I think they did well out of that. Uh, but now you need Javon Kinlaw to take that next step and to really replace what you lost in DeForest Buckner and, and sort of make that a, a wise move overall. You're right, Nick Bosa should be really good. Fred Warner, I think, is critical as well, whether he can maintain the level that he's at right now as arguably the best linebacker in the game. But there's they need sort of two or three more players to step up and raise their game and fit into this defense so that it doesn't suffer any kind of drop off. Um, and that would be the question mark. Samson Abukam is a player that they signed this offseason from the Rams. He's a three, four outside linebacker in LA. He'll be a four, three defensive end with the 49ers. I think they're hoping that he can make a Shaq Barrett type of leap. Uh, you know, maybe not 19 and a half sacks. That's probably not realistic, but I think Barrett went for like eight this past season. Do you think that that is, do you think he's capable of making that kind of leap and being one of the players that you said are going to need to kind of be uh, new names that make impacts? Yeah, probably not that far. I mean, the thing about Shaq Barrett is that he was always grading well, even when he wasn't a starter in Denver and he was sort of buried on that depth chart and he was getting the rotation snaps. He always had a really good PFF pass rushing grade and he was consistently getting pressure. And really the only difference between him and Tampa Bay and him and, and him when he was that bit part player is the opportunities just went through the roof. Like he became an every down starter and then didn't come off the field. And suddenly his numbers went skyrocketing, but his grade didn't actually get that much better. It was mm. an incremental jump. And it also helped that, you know, he had one of those years where all the sacks just sort of fall in your direction, which skewed perception even more. Um, Ebicom has never graded that well. Like he's, and his, his grade has improved. So I think he can still take a step and, you know, move in that direction and become a useful player. And certainly a part of that rotation that, you know, does, maybe not have a Shaq Barrett kind of season, but maybe he can get you 40 pressures in the season. Maybe he can get you, you know, seven and a half sacks, that kind of number. 
And if he gets, if they get that out of him, it's been a, it's a good move. You know, that's a, an impactful rotation player that you can bring in and spell somebody like a Nick Bosa or, or just get in opposite him and try and platoon the extra pressure on that defense. So, you know, I don't think he's going to jump as far as, as a Shank Barrett, but I think he can, you know, become even better than we've seen from him so far, keep moving in the right direction um, and therefore become a, a useful player. Obviously, you know, Trey Lance is going to be the the player we think about most coming out of this draft class for San Francisco, but whether it's, you know, Trey Sermon, Aaron Banks, Ambry Thomas, is, is there anybody else in, in the draft class that, that you think has a chance to, to pop for them that you like? I mean, honestly, yeah, it is Trey Lance is the entirety of that group that the rest of their draft class, I, I thought was okay, but none of the, the picks in it were guys that I necessarily loved. They weren't guys I was banging for the, banging the table for. Um, so yeah, I, they, they fell into the category of one of those drafts that I was, I didn't hate, didn't love, but it really does come down to where Trey Lance was. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's kind of the whole theme, right? If you're going to draft a quarterback, third and trade three first round picks to go up to get him like as long as that quarterback's good the rest of the draft doesn't really matter right but i think you know a guy like trey sermon again because that kyle shanahan offense is such a cheat code i mean he's a guy that should look good right out of the game right, right? any running back with talent plugged into that run game into that offensive system like should look good immediately so you've called kyle shanahan's offense a cheat code a couple times uh we had your colleague Eric Eager on and he did not have Shanahan in the top five head coaches or play callers in the NFL. Uh, do you, do you fall on along that same line of thinking or do you have Shanahan uh, placed a little higher? No, I think he's, I mean, he's, I think Kyle Shanahan is up there with Andy Reed and, you know, Bill Belichick as coaches that materially, change the outcome of games every single week because what they do is so incredibly hard for everybody to deal with. Um, and, you know, Andy Reid, we've seen what he's been able to do with, um, with uh, Patrick Mahomes and with, you know, Alex Smith before that and a sequence of quarterbacks stating back to Philadelphia and all those kinds of times. Bill Belichick has been able to change defenses completely and evolve year on year on year and put incredibly good teams out every single season, even independent of the fact that, you know, Tom Brady was a big part of driving all that success. Even if you just focus on the defensive side of things, Bill Belichick has caused teams as many problems as anybody else. And Kyle Shanahan, I think is doing the same thing every week. I, I do think it's important to, you know, look again, look at what he's been able to do with guys like Nick Mullins when he hasn't had Jimmy Garoppolo. Remember that Jimmy Garoppolo himself is not exactly a proven commodity. The, the, the good play we've seen from him has been under Kyle Shanahan. Um, and even then, you, know, you go back to what he's been able to get out of RG3, out of um, you know, Brian Hoyer looked like a star for a few games under mm -hmm. Kyle Shanahan. Like he has worked magic with some players really didn't deserve that kind of treatment or didn't justify that kind of treatment. I mean, I, you know, I made this uh, analogy on the, on our podcast last year that you remember the movie tin cup with Kevin Costner and the golf movie. Yeah. And there's one scene in there where I don't know, he's pawned them or whatever. He doesn't have his golf clubs. So he plays or he bets a guy that he can beat him on a round of golf using like gardening tools, right? Mm -hmm. So like a shovel and a rake and all this kind of stuff. 
that is Kyle Shanahan. Like Kyle Shanahan is out there shooting 65 with this, you know, shovel and a, like a trowel and whatever else he's found in the shed. <laughs> That's been what he's been doing the past couple of years. If you actually gave this guy, you know, a fancy new set of Callaway golf clubs, we're going to see course records set. So the, the NFC, analogy. yeah, that is a good analogy. The, the NFC is, it's in an interesting spot because you have Tampa Bay coming back, trying to repeat. You have a whole lot of uncertainty in green Bay. Um, you have the Rams going through a, a pretty big shift and just because they, they traded for a new quarterback. Um, how do you, where do you think the 49ers stack up in terms of just the power structure of the NFC right now? Like, do you, do you think they're, they have a chance to be one of the three or four best teams in the conference? Yeah, because I, I think the NFC, once you get beyond Tampa Bay, is kind of wide open. Um, I think the Bucks do have probably the best roster in the NFL. I think they should be – it sounds stupid because they just won the Super Bowl, but I think they should be better this year than they were last season, oh. and actually quite a lot better because the first half of the year, maybe more than that, was – it wasn't good. And it was because they hadn't got everything together yet. You know, Tom Brady had come in the building and was learning a new offense for the first time in 20 years was pairing it with Bruce Arians offense, which is one of the most like out there offenses in the NFL in terms of just how it relates to everything else. So those two coming together was always going to take some time, even, um, even without factoring in the fact that he's now got to learn the intricacies of new receivers, that offensive lineman came and went a little bit in the middle of the year. So the Bucks, the first half of the year was all about just don't lose position. Just don't like, don't have such a bad first half of the season that the playoffs aren't even a thing, right? That you actually are still in contention by the time you finally get things together and you can then go on a run. And that's what they did. And they, they got, they got their ass kicked a few times they learned some lessons. They figured out where the weak points were. So that when they got into the playoffs, they were able to roll. And when somebody threw something at them, they had answers this time. They've That's all experience under the belt now. Now they have all those guys back. They brought everybody back. Um, they're getting a couple of guys back from injury that weren't even a factor last year. The Brady, um, the Brady Arians thing is, is together. This team should be able to roll right from the, the, the get-go and, you know, see how well they can do. The only thing that, that could and should hold them back are, A, injury luck. They got very lucky last year with injuries. If they get unlucky this year, that can always screw things up. And, B, you know, Tom Brady's 43 years old. At some point, it has to hit. Are now, you sure? <laughs> no, I'm not anymore. Um, but I'm going to keep saying it until it happens. Like, at some point, it, it's got to hit him. So it, it, there was no sign of it last year. So I'm not expecting it to hit this year. But, you know, if you're dealing with a 43 quarterback, at least in the back of your mind somewhere, the possibility that he might start to look like it should be there. It's funny. It's ridiculous. Just watching the match a little bit ago, Tom Brady dotted a green from 360 yards out and basically got the same distance from the pin as uh, Bryson DeChambeau. So it's certainly not the, the age isn't showing up in the golf game either. So um, expecting big things from Tom Brady again. My um, age doesn't show in my golf game either. So, <laughs> uh, Sam, man, thank you so much for, for coming on with us. We really appreciate it. We've been following your work for a while and uh, keep it up, man. Anytime. Thanks for having me, guys. No Thanks, problem. Sam.
For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.